Chapter Sixteen of the Story of Mankind. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Crandall. The Story of Mankind by Hendrik von Lohn. Chapter Sixteen: Greek Life. How the Greeks lived. But how you will ask. Did the ancient Greeks have time to look after their families and their business if they were forever running to the marketplace to discuss affairs of state? In this chapter, I shall tell you. In all matters of government, the Greek democracy recognized only one class of citizens, the free men. Every Greek city was composed of a number of freeborn citizens, a large number of slaves, and a sprinkling of foreigners. At rare intervals, usually during a war, when men were needed for the army, the Greeks showed themselves willing to confer the rights of citizenship upon the barbarians, as they called the foreigners. But this was an exception. Citizenship was a matter of birth. You were an Athenian because your father and your grandfather had been Athenians before you. But, however great your merits as a trader or a soldier, if you were born of non-Athenian parents, you remained a foreigner until the end of time. The Greek city, therefore, whenever it was not ruled by a king or a tyrant, was run by and for the freemen, and this would not have been possible without a large army of slaves who outnumbered the free citizens at the rate of six or five to one, and who performed those tasks to which we modern people must devote most of our time and energy if we wish to provide for our families and pay the rent of our apartments. The slaves did all the cooking and baking and candlestick-making of the entire city. They were the tailors, and the carpenters, and the jewelers, and the school-teachers, and the book-keepers, and they tended the store and looked after the factory, while the master went to the public meeting to discuss questions of war and peace, or visited the theatre to see the latest play of Aeschylus, or hear a discussion of the revolutionary ideas of Euripides, who had dared to express certain doubts upon the omnipotence of the great god Zeus. Here you see a picture of a temple upon a hill, with all the freemen indicated as being inside and discussing, and then all of the slaves down around working um, at the foot of the hill in the marketplace and elsewhere. And it's titled Greek Society. Indeed, ancient Athens resembled a modern club, all the free-born citizens were hereditary members, and all the slaves were hereditary servants, and waited upon the needs of their masters, and it was very pleasant to be a member of the organization. But when we talk about slaves, we do not mean the sort of people about whom you have read in the pages of Uncle Tom's Cabin. It is true that the position of those slaves who tilled the fields was a very unpleasant one, but the average free man, who had come down in the world, and who had been obliged to hire himself out as a farm-hand, led just as miserable a life. In the cities, furthermore, many of the slaves were more prosperous than the poorer classes of the freemen. For the Greeks, who loved moderation in all things, did not like to treat their slaves after the fashion which afterward was so common in Rome, where a slave had as few rights as an engine in a modern factory, and could be thrown to the wild animals upon the smallest pretext. The Greeks accepted slavery as a necessary institution, without which no city could possibly become the home of a truly civilized people. The slaves also took care of those tasks which nowadays are performed by the businessmen and the professional men, 
as for those household duties which take up so much of the time of your mother and which worry your father when he comes home from his office the greeks who understood the value of leisure had reduced such duties to the smallest possible minimum by living amidst surroundings of extreme simplicity to begin with their homes were very plain even the rich nobles spent their lives in a sort of adobe barn which lacked all the comforts which a modern workman expects as his natural right a greek home consisted of four walls and a roof there was a door which led into the street but there were no windows the kitchen the living-rooms and the sleeping-quarters were built around an open courtyard in which there was a small fountain or a statue and a few plants to make it look bright within this courtyard the family lived when it did not rain or when it was not too cold in one corner of the yard the cook who was a slave prepared the meal and in another corner the teacher who was also a slave taught the children and the alpha beta gamma and the tables of multiplication and in still another corner the lady of the house who rarely left her domain since it was not considered good form for a married woman to be seen on the street too often was repairing her husband's coat with her seamstresses who were slaves and in the little office right off the door the master was inspecting the accounts which the overseer of his farm who was a slave had just brought to him when dinner was ready the family came together but the meal was a very simple one and did not take much time the greeks seemed to have regarded eating as an unavoidable evil and not a pastime which kills many dreary hours and eventually kills many dreary people they lived on bread and on wine with a little meat and some green vegetables they drank water only when nothing else was available because they did not think it very healthy they loved to call on each other for dinner but our idea of a festive meal where everybody is supposed to eat much more than is good for him would have disgusted them they came together at the table for the purpose of a good talk and a good glass of wine and water but as they were moderate people they despised those who drank too much here you see a picture of a temple on a hill with a small lake at the foot of the hill and a road winding up the side to the temple the same simplicity which prevailed in the dining-room also dominated their choice of clothes. They liked to be clean and well-groomed, to have their hair and beards neatly cut, to feel their bodies strong with the exercise and the swimming of the gymnasium, but they never followed the Asiatic fashion which prescribed loud colors and strange patterns. They wore a long white coat, and they managed to look as smart as a modern Italian officer in his long blue cape. They loved to see their wives wear ornaments but they thought it very vulgar to display their wealth, or their wives, in public, and whenever the women left their home they were as inconspicuous as possible. In short, the story of Greek life is a story not only of moderation, but also of simplicity. Things, chairs and tables and books and houses and carriages, are apt to take up a great deal of their owner's time. In the end they invariably make him their slave, and his hours are spent looking after their wants, keeping them polished and brushed and painted the greeks before everything else wanted to be free both in mind and in body that they might maintain their liberty and be truly free in spirit they reduced their daily needs to the lowest possible point end of chapter sixteen recorded by michelle crandall fremont california november two thousand eight